Yeah, they had bikers versus nuns at yes. one point. And we were on the episode Texans versus Mexicans. Yeah. Which is a little like your home. It is. Yeah. When when things aren't when things aren't coming together in a family vision kind of a way, it can be Texans versus Mexicans. <laughs> What's up, boss? This is Abraham's wallet. We span the gap between the austerity of obedience to God and the prosperity rising from faithfulness. Run your home and your dough like a biblical boss. Jeff, I'm back from a rousing day of pickleball. I've just been showered off, feeling great. But you, you weren't able to go out and have fun in lovely 66 degree Denver, Colorado weather. You were on the call. What what was that about? It sound, you sounded very professional, whatever you were doing. There. I went into that professional mode. I had a client call. You I, sounded like you were sitting up straight. I know I was sitting okay. up straight. Because I, I can tell you, Stephen... The more you sit confidently, oh. the more... Now, this is for free. The more you communicate confidently. Wow. Yeah. That, that should be a new course that you lead. Wait, hang on. Sitting scribble, with scribble, confidence. Scribble, scribble, scribble. Sitting to be the man you want to be. Who, what were you... Tell, tell us, what, what was that call? It was, I, it was a new client I have, and I'm working with client. this... He has clients, everybody. We'll get to that in a moment. I sure do. Uh, and he needed help organizing his company's overview presentation. When he came to me, it was all over the place, too many details. And so I went through and and went, we have to streamline this. And we also have to add a lot of stories. If you don't have stories in there, this is things going to fall so short. So I was pitching my second draft and I am happy to say he was very, very pleased. But it sounded, it sounded Jesus-y. I thought it was like almost a church thing. There was like kingdom of God language. That's right. He Was this one of those kingdom businesses that we like so much? Yeah, I would say it is. This organization that I have to anonymize, this organization mm-hmm. creates a, a technology platform for churches so that they can connect better and they can get to know their uh, people better okay. and do great things. So they work with churches. Yes, there and they actually do a, a, a bang-up job. Oh, excellent. Well... Let's pull back out here a second and say, look, I'm talking to... Wait, you're getting back in the shower? No, no, no. I'm oh. backing. I'm getting a 30,000-foot view of this conversation for oh, our listeners. Sure. I'm telling people... We'll, we'll look like ants at that. At what that. we did was we we are Tarantinoing oh. this podcast. We started in the middle of the action. Violent and cursing. That's what, that's, that's what this last couple of minutes have been like for me emotionally. And now we're coming back to what did the, how did this story begin? Let's go back. Let's start it. Mm. So this story began with I'm in Denver and I'm in your house right now and we're in your little office. That's your I was going to say home away from home, but it it actually is your home. So it doesn't fit. Never mind that. My home within my home. It's it's kind of like your office inside your home. That it really it's like a office home or a some would say a home office. A home office. That's one of the mm-hmm. many things you could use to describe this room that we're sitting in right now. You live in Denver. You and I have known each other. Let's tell the people about you and I getting to know each other. We've known each other for going on 30 years, I think, almost. We, li- we once lived in a state so very far from here. Yeah, it's the state by which all other large things are measured. That's right. Yeah. 
a Texas-sized dog, yeah. a Texas-sized lawn. Oh, big as the state of Texas. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. We, we, you didn't, you grew up in a lot of places, but you were in Texas for a while. Yes, high school and college. We don't, uh, neither of us lives in Texas anymore. We, we sometimes see each other in Texas when we visit parents. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but uh, here you are in lovely Denver, Colorado. Our, our regular listeners know that Mark Parrott and I are both here doing various uh, various outpost kind of things, and he's doing some networking. We're meeting with clients, etc. But uh, we we've I've had the luxury of staying in your home, which has been fantastic. And uh, why don't you tell the people about when when we first met? I think that's enjoyable. Well, and it will, and it will actually give us a good little platform for getting to know you. I, I yeah, I see that now. Uh, when I was in high school, long time ago, listen I, to this, everybody. Yeah, listen. Get, to get, this. get a load of this. Uh, I was highly uh, <laughs> shy and socially awkward. I think I can objectively say a very socially awkward person, and I was. Uh, I had enough self awareness to know. Uh, nobody wants to be around me because I'm so socially awkward. So I just knew people were best. My philosophy on friendships was best keep your distance. You don't you don't want to know. That, and I'll that, simplify your life. Sure. I'll stay over here. Yeah, that's what I always I wanted. I thought the best relationship was was a non relationship. Uh-huh. And my sister though was very it was and still is very much the opposite. A very extroverted, warm, uh, socially easy uh, person, and she was involved in the church youth group, and she met Steve. Me, I call him Stephen. Yeah, but we all have sure, nicknames. Sure, 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 sure. Manual, and she came home from hanging out with Stephen and a group of people, and said, "Oh, Jeff, that's what she called me." She said, "Jeff, <laughs> you you would love this guy, Stephen. He's really he likes the str- the same strange things you like, which I think at the time was shortcut for I think he mentioned David Letterman, and so there were, <laughs> that that was like the byword there. And I, that's all you need to know. That's the only commonality you need. That was our that was the Venn diagram, and I thought. I, I literally thought, I thought, that's nice, that's interesting, but I know he won't want to be around me. And I, I just remember that at some point you came into our house and I was hidden in my bedroom. I'd come in from working. I was an usher at the local movie theater. I'd come in from work. I hid out in my room. And Stephen came in there and just busted his way in. I'm sure knocked over a few things and said, Jeff, you and me, we're going to lunch one day. Well, the way that I have heard that is I think there was a, a gaggle of teens mm. at your house. We always found some some house to descend upon, and I think it was your house that day. And I was asking fun, sweet Amy about this phantom brother that she had described. And how old is this guy exactly? And what does he do? You, he reads and he writes? So I'm thinking, well, I like to read and write. And, and he's into movies. I kind of like movies. When I, when, now, where, Amy, where is this interesting guy? She's like, oh, he's just, he's just upstairs. Wait, there's like 10 17-year-olds in the house right now, and he, who is also around 17, is upstairs, and he, he hasn't even come down to say hello to us. Oh, yeah, he'd, he'd just be squirreled away in this room. Writing a hit play. <laughs> well... Knowing me, you, 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 you should know that I just threw down whatever I was doing, stomped right up the stairs, barged into Jeff's room and said, 
uh, hey, dude, what are you doing up here? What, what's the problem? Why, <laughs> why, why, why aren't you talking with other humans here? Uh, I was, um, uh, what? That's about as kind of, even me trying to include people is always high challenge. So that, that was throwing some, throwing some challenge onto Jeff. And uh, come to find out, this fascinating guy, he, he, he splits time between um, being an usher at the Lowe's. Lowe's movie theater, sure. <laughs> I would have loved to see you in that outfit. And working at the Sunglass Hut in the mall. That's right. Selling sunglasses. And did you enjoy interacting with strangers a lot <laughs> with those jobs? I, you know what's interesting is I think, I hadn't thought about this for a while, but I think I was able to go into this other mode. Oh, which I, I tell, and we can talk about this more, I tell my clients this a lot, just just act like the person that you'd like to be, and that's going to be a good way of getting into hmm. communicating in a way that's more natural eventually, the way you want to. But I, I think I went into, it, it, it was almost like an, a visitor from another planet had come down in, in the form of me and went, yeah. what are these other humans doing? I can do that, and I will talk that way. And then eventually you start to... Like you're running a script in your mind. Yes. I could see you because you have you have such a sensitivity to um, form, formality, not, not that you're stuffy, but you, you have a sensitivity to what's appropriate in mm. every situation. Mm. So I could see you at the movie theater going, Oh, you have to be warm and welcoming mm. when hello, welcome to the theater. May I have your tickets, please. Right. And you're thinking I'm running the script for this is what an usher is supposed to do. And I think I did that even with friendships. There was a there was a certain amount of, when people would reach out to me, like yourself or others. I think it, my thought was, I'm going to do the best I can to imitate a social high schooler. Right. Yeah. 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 But something that you might have seen in a movie. Yeah. That, yeah. Which would explain all the uh, the the the, uh, the John Hughes quotations. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Sprinkled into your life. I, I still I still tell clients that w- who I deal with who are uh, challenged to uh, communicate confidently that I was uh, the uh, the shy I think pretty sure the shyest kid in my high school and uh, at at the end of my senior year I was voted least likely to be remembered. <laughs> Are you kidding? Yeah. No, it's a, joke. it's a joke. I think literally, there somewhere out there, there are people who are thumbing through the old yearbook, and they see my photo and go, I never saw that guy once I did not go to high school with him. I'm uh-uh. sure of it. Yeah. So as people will know, by if they read the title of this episode, they know that we're tracking your progress from something like retreating wallflower into family leader business owner type. So we're tracking that that sort of Hang transition. Hang on, let, let, me, let me make sure that's on the business card. Okay. Yeah, that's what it says. Uh, family leader, business owner. <clears throat> Guy. So this, that we did, we recently did an episode with um, my friend Ross Dykstra, who talked about being a stay-at-home dad and feeling confused and useless and insecure and his story which is unbelievable to how he became a home builder and running a really successful business now and he he just got a great story and I'm saying all that because we've had so many people who have responded to that story and go hey 
the before picture of Ross uh, makes a lot of sense to me. Mm. So uh, I, the people that listen to this are interested in getting to a new place, but uh, we need handholds on what 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 stones did you step on? So I, I want you to just try to describe, okay, you told us, okay, you're kind of like a super shy high schooler, but I, I'll do this little bit of bio for you. You then went to Baylor. You got a film and TV degree. Then you went and got a graduate degree uh, at USC for screenwriting. And you you won some stuff. You won some competitions uh, as part of screenwriting. So you ha- you now possess a highly desired set of skills. They are really desired, in the, maybe even more now than they were when you finished school. Film, TV, writing, screenplays, and uh, as uh, as you and I have talked about before, the, the, the practice of writing screenplays helps you think about how stories are told. They, they help you think about, well, you got to have this beat before you lead to this exciting conclusion, et cetera, et cetera. So you're, you're learning a lot about communication. How are you developing at, in, personally as a communicator, and what are you thinking about yourself as you're coming out of, out of school? You know, I, I think actually, Stephen, of something you've said uh, more than a few times. You you live your life, and only after a while, do you kind of you just make decisions, and you go, I don't know this, I don't know this, and then only after yeah. ten, fifteen years, you turn around and go, Oh my word, there was a trajectory there. Right, those things were all adding up to something, and I look back on what happened after graduating SC with the with an MFA in screenwriting. I was working to try to become a, a professional screenwriter in Los Angeles. And I just took little jobs. Los Angeles, Colorado? N- uh, no, at the time, this was Los Angeles, California. Oh, yeah. 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 Uh, people and, know about that one, too. Yeah, it's like Hollywood. And I, I, so right out of school, to make some money, I took a job teaching SAT prep courses for the Princeton Review. And I, at the same time, also started getting involved in some little megachurch thing out there. And someone turned to me and said, we just need someone to help teach the singles department. And your small group seems to be going well. You seem to be doing teaching. You want to start teaching that thing? And I I thought, I I guess, I don't know. I'll, I'll start doing that. And these opportunities started to line up where I was being called on to communicate. And that ended up leading to a job as a college pastor for Pepperdine students, which was, and I'm only saying this because it was such a, it was such a, uh, left turn, left turn and crucible. But like there were like three or 400 kids coming on a week uh, to come to the worship service where I was (laughs) teaching. And I would look back on that and go, gosh, why in the world was I teaching at the SAT Princeton? That was silly. That was so dumb. And I, and I look back now and go, oh, I was learning to hold the attention of a very challenging group of people, yeah. high schoolers yeah. who did not want to learn <laughs> math tricks. No. And I look back now and think, I think I was pretty good at that because I went into, I guess I'm going to try to entertain you. I'm going to try to get your attention. I'm going to try to pop and little shy Jeffy, that's what I made him call me. Yeah. Uh, I tried to tried to get their attention, and then that was applicable to talking to singles, 
at the church and then talking to college students. So it was it was step by step by step. Included in that step, I was I was also a uh, receptionist at a production company, oh, yeah. and so that meant having some amount of confidence answering, it must have been 300 phone calls a day that went into this very successful production company and trying to hold my own when, oh, I remember Shaquille O'Neal called. And most people they'd call and I'd answer the phone. It was a company called Tolan Robbins. Uh, Tolan Robbins, uh, this is Jeff speaking, how may I help you? And people go, oh, can I speak to Brian? Oh, well, may I guess who's going to take a little message? And then I remember one day Shaq called, but right. I didn't know it because I asked the phone, Tolan Robbins, this is Jeff speaking. And I hear, does Shaq? I'm, I'm sorry, Dijak. I'm sorry, I, I, I'm having a little trouble understanding. Dijak. One more time, let's try it. Dijak, you knew. Oh. <laughs> and then one day, Larry David called. I was going to say, okay, so you, you, let's, let's, let's. Let's pull into the cul-de-sac here yeah. of Tolan Robbins because oh. you had some fun run-ins hanging out in, in L.A. So give us, come on, give us it a was little celebrity run-in. A lot of B-team stuff, which I, to be honest, the A-team stuff is kind of, I remember one time Britney Spears walked in and was like, okay, what, what am I going to say about that? Yeah, Britney right. Spears walked in, I saw her. Not interesting. It's the B-team stuff that's yeah, fascinating yeah, me. So yeah. I remember one time. The it, detritus hanging on the periphery of the movie industry. Trying. Uh, trying to hang on, get the next role, trying to angle network. Yes. Yeah. I, so I'm at the, I'm at the front desk and at the front desk was the reception area. So a lot of times there would be a casting call for some, they did a bunch of TV shows, a bunch of, bunch of you know, people all sitting there and waiting for their turn to go to go into casting or to go see, go see a producer or something like that. And I remember one day it was packed with a bunch of kids because they were, they were, they were uh, casting some show with a bunch of children, but there were also some adults in there as well. And I looked over and there's Alan Thicke. And Alan Thick, for those of you who don't know, he played the dad on Growing Pains. Thick with an E. Yeah, Thick with an E. And his son was a ended up becoming a, a popular pop star. But Alan Thick was in there, and that's just the kind of celebrity I'm interested in. That's great. And I, I'm I, I, the ones I was interested, in, I'd kind of track, I'd, I'd watch while I was answering the phones, and then and you lose track. And then and the next thing I know, I'm answering the phones, and then and, and and there's a quiet moment, and I and I sense someone is standing right in front of me, and I look up, and there's Alan Thick holding this thing in his hand again there's all these children in the room he's holding this thing in his hand and he looks at me and goes did someone lose a grogurt a go gogurt go oh, i butched it <laughs> did someone lose a gogurt and i i had him sign the gogurt no i didn't the guy uh, robert hayes from that's right tv's alan thick someone did lose a gogurt <laughs> it was just non-stop i think delta burke was in there uh, uh, Robert Hayes, the star of Airplane, was in there. <laughs> Robert Hayes. Golly. Uh, yeah. Anyway. What, what, did Larry David do anything funny? L- what did Larry do? Oh! <laughs> I answered the phone. Tolan Ro- I don't think I got the whole, my little spiel out before it goes, yeah, Brian there. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, yes, mask is calling. Larry David. And he was clearly... On a cell phone in a car. And this is a while ago, and uh-huh. so the, the so he's yelling. I see. And it's there's other people in the car giggling when he's saying that, like he's like he's gonna prank call. <laughs> the other thing you want you want more. Okay, so okay. so if you're if you're a Seinfeld fan, you'll know the name Joe. We're Devo- all Seinfeld. Fans. Sure. Otherwise, they would have hung up a long time ago. Yeah, yeah. If they're still on at this point, 
I'm not sure what they're hanging in for. But uh, Joe Davola was a character on that show. Crazy Joe Davola. Crazy Joe Davola. Well, he was literally named for a man named Joe Davola. Oh, Joe Davola. Joe Davola works at this production company. He Tola was one Robbins. of the three main producers. And, oh, man, was this guy a piece of work. He was just a, a, a funny, schlubby, just a schlubby guy. And, oh, man, one day he dressed me down, but good. He, he just, I, I can't use the language Whatever that he for, used. Whatever for, what did you do? He, it was my last day. Now, let me see if I can clean this up. It was my last <laughs> day of working at Tolan Robbins. I decided, because I thought I was going to sell a script. Yeah. I decided to quit. And it wasn't hard. It was like, okay, it's time for me to go on. And they were like, oh, great. So they did a little, ha-ha, yay, going away here, eat a donut or whatever. So we're all in there. And Joe Davola walks in and goes, what the F's going on? And we all look up, and, and this one, his assistant goes, oh, Joe, Jeff's leaving. It's his last day. And, oh, all right, all right, all right. And he looks around, looks at me, goes, oh. And now keep in mind, at this time, I was still a little socially awkward. So there's some reason for what he said. Okay. He looks, he looks at me and goes, oh, well, we're really going to miss you, you squirrely F. And I, I, I. Did you? Hey. Hey. And his assistant, Joe, you you can't say. Uh, and then he just uh, kind of oozed his way out of the room. Right. It, was really, it was like a turd in the punch bowl moment. Like, oh, it's his going away thing. He thought it would produce a explosion of laughter. I guess, but he was also speaking. I think he was being honest saying, when I look at Jeff, I think a that's a squirrely squ- guy. Which I, I sure Fair. nothing against him for seeing squirrel. Yeah, I would have right. been. I'd have called me that before he did. <laughs> now, also during this, gosh, wouldn't it be awkward if Joe was listening? Joe, you're welcome here. Yeah, and repentance for language is so simple. That's right. Anyhow, during that stage of your life, you and I also made some money. Mm-hmm. By going on TV. Care to share that with people? <laughs> well, Stephen would come and visit. And I, I would, every so often. I would stay in your estate with you. Yeah, the estate, the one-room estate. Can you have a one-room estate? <laughs> I had a one-room estate. He literally had, you've heard the one-room apartment. No, 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 no. We didn't say one-bedroom apartment. One-room. One-room apartment where the the hot plate and the TV and the pillow of your bed are within six feet of each other. When you can wake up in the morning and do the dishes and not leave bed, you know you're in a small joint. That's right. So uh, when I was in graduate school and then a little while after, I liked, because I was in L.A., I would go do extra work. And so I was an extra on Friends and on ER. And if you try to find me, good luck. It's just, it's like a hairy arm reaching in to take somebody's plate. But on a bunch of shows, and Stephen would come out and do the same thing. You can actually see Stephen and I very clearly in the Jim Carrey movie, Man on the Moon, about... uh, Opening credits or closing credits? No, no, it's it's right in the middle when they're shooting Taxi. But you're also in the closing... No. Am I? I I don't think so. I don't think I made it that far in the movie. Okay. <laughs> you would fall asleep. Yeah, right I'm out. I'm okay. in it, but I'm out. Yeah, yeah. And I think somehow through the extra work, we ran into somebody who said, "Hey, we're 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 trying to get people for this new 
this new game show on Comedy Central yes. called Versus. Yes. And the concept of Versus was, uh, it was like a quiz show. Yeah. And it was hosted by Greg Proops, who was moderately famous from Whose Line Is It Anyway? Tall, uh, Lyle Lovett hair guy. Yeah, yeah. And the gist was this team of people, this very unlikely team of people, is facing off against this uh, almost opposite group of people. Like, yeah. I, like pole dancers versus soccer moms. Yeah, they had bikers versus nuns at Yes, one point. and we were on the episode Texans versus Mexicans, Yeah, which is a little like your home. It is yeah. when when things aren't when things aren't coming together in a family vision kind of a way. It can be Texans versus Mexicans, <laughs> and so it was Stephen and I and this gal who we I don't remember where I'm we married found to her. a Mexican woman. <laughs> maybe yeah, let's clarify. Joke, maybe that joke doesn't land with everyone. My wife is Mexican. Okay, yeah, and. So it was me and Steve. It was Stephen and I and this gal who didn't. She didn't contribute a lot. She was a friend of a friend that somebody knew was from Texas, but she was in L.A. trying to do something. Probably an actress. We did not know her. The the Mexicans were just like like clearly they found these guys at the Gap and they're very nice people. Yeah, very nice. Anyway, we were on this show and boy, we made a ton of money. It, at, for us at the for time, us. it was like twelve hundred bucks, and we each, each we each got a curio cabinet, didn't we? That's true. We did get it. You know how at the end, may, maybe you uh, older listeners remember the Price is Right at the end. They would always say uh, the, the the wardrobe has been furnished by these people, and we're sponsored by, and they'll say some some furniture maker you've never heard of. Yes, you know this is um, Everglades uh, <laughs> cabinetry. And you go, I don't know what that is. When we won that show with these dum-dums, the, the, the Mexicans were nice, but we knew in about yeah. five minutes they're dum-dums and we're going to wipe the floor with we them. We knew more Spanish than them. We, we might have known more Spanish than them. They actually made, well, I think one of the jokes on the show was that they, that they had closed from the gap or something. I, I think like it was, yes. Anyhow, we got curio cabinets sent to us. The production company that made this very short-lived game show did not go to the nth degree to get the curio cabinets <laughs> to our homes. Uh-huh. I remember I remember the the truck pulled up to my apartment. I was living in Dallas at the time. This guy this guy backs this uh thing. It's it's encased in cardboard, rolls it up to the door, knocks and um, I'm going, oh, gosh, this was that thing from months ago that's finally arrived at the house. We kind of shake it. You can hear <laughs> that the glass inside has been busted into a thousand pieces. You can just hear. And I go, yeah, that's all broken in there. And he goes, yeah, it does sound to be broken. I said, <laughs> well, I'm not accepting it. So I want you to, you can send this back. Uh-huh. And if they care to send me one that's not broken in a thousand pieces, I guess I'll consider that. He said, okay, rolled it into the truck, never, never heard, heard of it again. <laughs> Just, that was the end of my curio cabinet. I think we went on that show and I thought, oh boy, this is going to be great because we're going to win some fabulous, a Van Cleven Arpel watch. Nope. A curio cabinet. Or like the price is right, maybe a, a forerunner. Or yeah, a, you sure. Know, f- four-wheeler. Uh, something fun. Oh, I yeah. do remember we, we tried studying up because they would ask you questions about 
Texas. Texas. And so we, stu- we were the Texans. We were the Texans. So we, I remember we had like a, it was some sort of uh, everything you need to know about Texas kind of book. And we'd yeah. study these things. And we and there were also pop culture Moses questions. Moses Austin, Stephen F. Austin, Texas history. All kinda, of that. Yeah. And we, we answered some pretty, I, I think we both, we surprised each other yeah, with the did. ones. But the, <laughs> but, but the capper was the last question. It was like, it was for all the money kind of okay. thing. Right. We had made it the final thing. And the, and the question was, uh, what Texas? was the most decorated soldier of World War II. And I, I look over and I'm like, not a flippin' clue. And I look over at Steven and the and the the smile just starts oh, to emerge on his face. And I remember knows. how you you answered. They go, All right, Texans, time is up, because they give you like a you know 28 seconds he to knows, think about it. But knows. you knew it right off the bat and you you put a fist out and stomped your foot. Because we were trying to Texan it up. We were trying to... Well, okay, so at the beginning, we thought, because it's, it's TV, you want to be entertaining. Big, we're, big we, we had to go buy cowboy hats. We didn't have cowboy hats. Of course hats. not. We're waving cowboy hats. So we answer Yee-haw. the first question, we get it right. Stephen and I, we wave our hats around, do this silly little dance with Do-si-do like, do si do guns in our hands, oh, fake guns. Oh, yeah, yeah. And... And the crowd goes nuts. Yeah, they love it. And Proops is laughing at this. He's yes. never seen such shenanigans. And he said, the Texans might want to pace themselves. Oh, yeah, that was good. <laughs> and so then Stephen came out with a Texan and he said something else, Audie Murphy. And Proops had a big pause. And I thought, gosh, did he get it? That's right. Wow. Yeah. I wouldn't get that right today. That's funny, huh? I knew he flew planes. Yeah. Audie Murphy. Audie Murphy. Wow. Yeah. So we were on. What a wonderful time. Hey, everybody, thanks for sitting through that 10-minute uh, recollection <laughs> time of the time that we are on a game show. Yeah. Now then, Jeff. Where were we? Let's get back to you actually teaching and you're starting to love it. I think it's really interesting how that was uh, Bel Air Presbyterian, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. For the singles group and then Malibu Presbyterian for the... And it was interesting to you. I think I was less surprised, but I was certainly interested kind of watching your reaction to it. You were surprised. This thing is popular. Yeah. And you had a lot of people coming up to you saying, you know, you're the magic sauce to this. Well, you're, you're why I bring my friends to this thing. And the college kids were coming by the droves. Uh-huh. What, is there a question in here? <laughs> I don't know. What, what did you? What, did, what were you making of that? As somebody who, who tends to be retreating, uh, and now you're on the stage. And Jeff, you're really good at this. We really like having you be the <laughs> Bible teacher at our thing. And you're kind of like, uh, what did you do with that? Um, it felt weird and unusual. Um, I didn't know what to make of it. I, I, I you just I, thought this is a happy accident. That's right. Well, I mean, I would have gone, well, great. God's doing something cool here. I don't know what to say. Uh, wonderful. I, I'm i glad. It felt nice. It, it felt, it was very, maybe what you're getting at is is the uh, the contrast between at least how I perceived myself in high school to being in a spot where people were saying the way you communicate to people, to people is <laughs> yeah. helpful to us. Right. And I mean, imagine you're the shortest guy and suddenly people are going, you're the tallest person we see. You feel like, I'm not sure you're seeing all of this very correctly, Uh, but I... 
I've heard you do a lot of that over the years where you say, well, they're, I know they think sure. I'm good at this. They're wrong. Uh, well, yeah. And then discount you know, people's positive reactions. I, I'm getting better. Okay. I know you're getting better. We're getting there. We're getting there. This is, this is years and years ago. Okay. <clears throat> so you, you took um, other positions of leadership where you had a, you had a speaking presence. Um, then you got... A fantastic job for you about seven or eight years ago. Yeah, in the, in the interim, I took jobs at at churches as communicator, and again, I, I don't know if I mean you can act your own dots, but I would just say to the listeners out there. Yeah, they, go ahead and talk to them. You're well, good. Uh, uh, you can God God's stringing something together for you if you let him. True. And, and I just would say of all the jobs and all, there was a, there was a stringing together. And I think the commonality of everything was, was twofold. It was what you say and how you say it and trying to get better at organizing talks through, uh, when I was at churches, um, and when I, and how I was communicating those things, whether it was, uh, you know, encouraging feedback or corrective feedback, I guess somehow I got to where I started to be able to understand, oh, this is how you put a talk together. And honestly, even before where you're getting at, what really started sending me in the direction of the job that we're about to bring up was us going to Geneva. You want to talk about that? Sure. Okay. You, Stephen added... I'll just, put, I'll just put a point here before we talk about going to Geneva. It's interesting sometimes when things that you aren't good at but you want to be good at, you put a lot of thought toward to figure it out. So I would say I'm a more naturally confident person in front of people. So I, I didn't really give a lot of thought to how that works. But you were kind of stuck in the corner trying to figure out, well, how could I be better at being in front of people? So you have done a lot of brain work to observe, to read, to study, how do you communicate? And that became a real theme for you. Mm. Now, one of the things that I, the the list the longtime listeners know about um, my wife Dora's event planning business, and one of the one of the things that's happened. I don't know that I've ever described this exactly, but my wife would put on a big um, event. Everything looks great. The table linens are flowers. Everything's great. And then the and then the vice president gets up on stage. His slides are terrible, and everyone falls asleep because he just prattles on. Because he only speaks to a group like this twice a year. He doesn't put much effort into it, and it's t it's a terrible experience. Well, that happened a couple of times for uh, events that my wife ran. And I have a communications degree. I, I know how uh, I know how stories are supposed to be told and know how people are supposed to talk and how presentation works. And so my wife and some other friends of ours who would be on the scene would say, Stephen, why don't you engage and help this process, which I loved. So I, I started doing for my wife's event planning business started working with the speakers at the events, started doing some coaching of executives, which led to a trip that you and I took to Geneva. Yeah, we went out and worked with a group of probably 20 uh, Procter & Gamble 
uh, executives, yes. uh, brand managers, yes. and Stephen called me up and said, "Hey, we gotta go. We gotta go talk to them and, and teach them how to communicate well." And I, I was like, "Well, I'll, okay, great. Do we have some sort of workshop?" No, you're gonna make one. Okay, so he and I together, we created this workshop and went over and. It went great. We had fabulous uh, responses, and I remember thinking, "This is really fun. Hmm. I, I this is I enjoy this." I kind of thought this isn't going to go well. I, actually, what I thought was, "I'll do a little lecture pieces, but Stephen's going to do the real work." And I, because I don't know how to help these people, they don't <laughs> want to hear from me. And it went great for both of us. And I walked away going, I, "Can we do more of that? How mm. do we do more of that?" At the time, I was writing content for a company uh, unrelated to a lot of this, and then my my wife, she said, I, I, I think you need to do more of that kind of thing. And one of the people that Stephen and I had studied, we studied a bunch of different communicators and people who think about how to communicate clearly to prepare for this trip to Procter & Gamble. Well, one of them was a woman named Nancy Duarte. And Nancy Duarte has a highly watched TED Talk about what she calls the shape of good presentations. And I remember thinking, wow, this this lady seems really smart. I love this talk. There was something about her demeanor that I really liked. And so I looked into the organization a little more and thought, wow, they do some interesting stuff. Well, my wife kept digging deeper would and you, deeper. Would you have said, wow, she's one classy lady? Would you have ever said that? Huh. Man, that's a good question. Maybe. I think so. Okay. All right. Well, she had earrings on. So for me, yep. that's yeah. Oh, class. that is. That is top shelf. Class. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And my wife said, they're hiring someone. And she looked at the job description. It was for what they called a content developer, which is basically a speechwriter. And she said, the kind of person they're looking for, catch this, they're looking for someone who's good at communicating and someone who's good at talking to people how they communicate and hopefully some sort of interest or uh, proclivity towards story and infusing story. And my wife goes, that's a weird description. Golly. And that's your brand of weird. That's you. And so I went, interviewed, it went great, and got the job. And I worked at Duarte, which is a uh, communication firm, communication consulting firm based out of the Silicon Valley in California. And I just finished working there for seven years as a content developer. I wrote speeches and presentations for uh, all ranks of people in big organizations and small organizations. Then I then I turned into a speaker coach where I would work with uh, particularly higher level executives, helping them communicate well in front of sometimes 10,000 people, sometimes more uh, in, in different instances. Instances, and then uh, I started helping uh, create classes that that people would take to get better as, as a okay. So this is uh, I want to underline this is a fascinating transformation that we're seeing here. So you before go, your eyes, you go from somebody who looks across the youth room at church with wonder in your eyes. How did that boy talk to that girl on the other side of the room? How, how is that working? Wait, real quick, real quick. So when I was in high school, I, I had, I had like a friend and a half. Yes. That's a, that's a perfect way of saying it. <laughs> and a, the, the buddy of mine I was closest with lived across the street from me. Sweet kid. We couldn't have been more different, but very, very great guy. And I remember he start. he, he was much more extroverted and he start. he, he got a little girlfriend and or he, he was like, I'm going to ask this girl. Oh out. boy. Oh boy. And so he goes out on a date with this girl. And so the next day I go, how was it? He goes, Oh man, it was great. And, and I said, and, and so I was like, I got to figure out how this whole thing works. I said, what time did you pick her up? He goes, uh, I think like seven. And what time did you get home? Oh, uh, 1030, I think something like that. 
And I said, did you go see a movie? No, no, no. We went to dinner and then went somewhere. I don't remember what it was. And, and he goes, and, and, I, and I was baffled. And I, I remember saying to him, what did you talk about? Yeah, what did you, what, what did you do with all that dead space? What did you, how did you, you, and what I was really thinking was, you were able to pretend you knew how to hold a conversation for three and a half hours. And yeah. of course he was thinking, no, I had a conversation for three and a half hours. And I remember thinking, how do you do that? Yeah, yeah. It would, you know what it'd be like? It would be no. like, it well, I'll tell you. Okay. It would be like my Tuning daughter in. pretending to have my job. She could do it for maybe 10 or 15 minutes, but it would exhaust her to pretend to have my job uh-huh. for a week. That's what it seemed like to me. Okay. All right. So you go from that where you don't understand how the humans are talking to each other to, to let's say, college age where you are... Um, becoming really interested and maybe you're let's say you say you're becoming studious in communication in general i got you, i got a job at the at the campus radio station like trying to yes. trying to it was it was dipping my toe in the water yes and and of course to be the we've got tapes of you being being <laughs> on the radio and you've got to talk like you're a dj i was jeff michaels at the bear 102.5 waco's home for classic rock no. coming up a led zeppelin song i've never heard in my life so he would talk just like that and then as soon as he's off air huh. hi guys uh, wh- hi. where did you want the coffee <laughs> so but but as you say you're kind of, that's an interesting thing that you said at the beginning which is you kind of you can script out this is the kind of man I want to be this is why it's so important for us I'll just throw in to read say the things that Paul describes to Timothy about this is who you should be hmm. and he'll tell him listen Timothy a man of God doesn't pursue money as his chief aim in life so we read those things and we're we're supposed to be drawing it's not a tight it's not a tight outline but it's a shape of this is what a man of god looks like this is what a father looks like this is what somebody who's responsible with money looks like and it gives us something to walk towards so what does when Christ's life is lived out in me that's going to look different than it is for you Jeff however there are there will be commonalities in yes. us that are called out in scripture we are going to be men who stand on truth we are going to be men who are gentle with the the least of these we are going to be men who challenge our brothers so that we can be friends to them and iron sharpening iron etc there there's commonalities and 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 Considering who we're going to be is important. So uh, we just did a worship night. Since I was here in in, uh, Denver, we did a worship night here at your house, and I got to lead some worship. And um, we, it kind of happened that somebody in the group said, I feel like God is saying that we should be praying for healing for some people. So we started doing that and we, 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 you know, we did some, you know, actually saw some healing. God actually healed people in the room live, which is always exciting. And um, I, I, when I walk into those waters, sometimes I say to people, I've never seen someone stand up uh, from from being dead to standing up. I've never seen someone get out of a casket before. I've never seen a limb grow back on after, say, a, a tragic accident. But I'm going to someday. 
I mean, that's just, those are the kinds of things that I, I just, I want to keep these ambitions in me. I'm going to go this way. We actually have seen someone raised from the dead, but that was by prayer. I didn't see it live. We, uh, anyways, that happened a couple of years ago to our friend Tanya. But you're describing this, this life that you want to grow into. I want to be the kind of person who blah, blah, blah. And you became kind of an expert in that thing. And now you're, um, now you get into a job, check this out where you are one personally leading classes of people to tell them how to communicate. Well, you're writing speeches for CEOs and other very important people are going to be speaking at big conferences and big stages um, and you're coaching people on how to do these things. It, I just find that amazing that you made that transformation from wallflower to, to I don't know, I'm, it, it sounds too simple to say confident leader, but you did have confidence, you did have confidence in what you were able to give people. You knew that you could actually help them and you were, you were, I've seen you in those circumstances and you're very forthright and you're not uh, retreating about, no, I can help you. You need to do this and this. Mm. Any thoughts on that? Uh, yeah, well, I, 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 yes, it seems like it's fun to do something like this, talk about this because you see it in such, uh, you see it in such stark terms yeah. and uh, I'm not sure I was always aware. I'm not sure I was always cognizant. Uh, and I would even say I wasn't always going, gosh, I really wanted it. This was not an ambition of mine. I didn't sit in college going, one day I want to be a delivery coach. Of uh, that course. would never cross my mind. And even I want to be a great communicator had not crossed my mind. Yeah. Uh, but I, I don't know. I, we were there was something you were working on earlier today, and you were talking about the gifts that God gives you and the, and the proclivities, and the fivefold. Yeah. Uh, and one of them is teaching, and and only I, guess, I think guess maybe it was always there, and God just uh, used these last uh, decades to really pull that out of me and uh, showcase it and uh, use it to help hopefully help people. You know, uh, it wasn't too long ago, it was just a few months ago, I did an episode with my dad about work. And in that episode, my dad described the same thing you just said, which is, I had no idea where I was going to end up. I just knew what was at my hand, at, at hand, and I tried to do those things the best I could. And, the, and as you do that, you find that the Lord starts making a path for you and he connects dots and here's the next step. And, you know, this scripture comes to mind, God, your word is a lamp to my feet. You might have heard this before in church, but the lamp, the little, uh, the little clay pot uh, oil lamp that's talked about there is not something that throws a lot of light down a path. It just shows you where the next step is in front of you. You might see two steps in front of you with these little lamps and God's word helps us know what the next path, ne next step for us is not necessarily what my career path is going to be, but as you say, 20 years down the line, you can look back. Oh, it's so clear the way these steps laid out to lead me to this place. So here we are. I've got you. Whoa. The end of the story. We could start some sweet music here and go. He, the, the shy guy became a trainer of communication. But Jeff. Wait, wait. Before, before we go to that. Next, yes. I know. I know you're leading up. Yes. I, I, w I was talking to a buddy recently and I love the guy, sweet guy, very wise guy. But I, I don't know why he said this, but he was, we were just talking about life and, he, and he, he was talking about the Lord. And he said, you know, I don't know if people ever really change. And, and 
and I kind of let it sit there like, huh? And, and he said it again. And I, I think I said to him, I hope I said it. I don't believe that at all. Like yeah. that, that's so contrary to everything we believe. <laughs> I agree. Just let me go off on this tangent for go a ahead. second. Go, so go ahead. Have, I'll throw in here. Me and my daughters were listening to Gabe Dixon. He has a song called what's in your heart will never change. Uh, we never change. And my daughters are just go, that's not true. Is it daddy? No, it's not. God changes our hearts all the time. Well, I'll bring in, <laughs> I have two little girls. They like frozen. And I don't know if this is in frozen one or two. I think it's frozen irrelevant, but the little, the little rock dwarf elves, whatever those things are, they sing this song about, he's a bit of a fixer upper. And it's like, Hey honey, I know you don't like this guy, but he's a, he's really great. And he's a bit of a fixer upper. So it's a cute it's a cute song like yeah he's not perfect yet but you you get together with him it'll all be great and then as if they have to if it's like they felt like they had to shoehorn this in yeah the bridge comes in and the woman goes but here's the point people don't really change as if to go, I think they were trying to communicate this message, like, don't try to change somebody. Oh, no, you would never want to change anybody, right? Oh, no, 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 never, never, never. But that's the song. <laughs> that's the song. It's crazy. He can change. It's going to be better. It's going to be better. But nobody really changes. I, I, I what, don't believe, I, I, I was telling someone also the other day, I think one of the devil's biggest lies is people don't change yeah. or you can't change. I mean, mm-hmm. I'll get choked up, but I, it, it, watching my, looking at my life in this way, I, that's nonsense. Yeah. Like, and I, I wrote a little uh, book and I tried to get into this in the book about if you want to change, if you, if you see things that you would... Not just like, oh, I've got this pet sin. I'd like God to get rid of it. But like, I would like to grow into this. Uh-huh. I would like to become better at these things. I think God rubs his hands together and goes, let's go, buddy. Yeah, that's like, right. I will totally go for that with you. And that's I right. will plant things and it will be slow and steady. But you will get to a point where you will look back and go, if, you, if you'll just walk with me and you'll trust me, you will look back and go, oh, my gosh. I, 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 have, I have the only word I can think of is transform. That's great. Yeah, if we're um, simply bound to whatever uh, fallenness we have seen in in ourselves up to this point, there's a Bible word for that. It's called damnation, <laughs> where whatever whatever ever stuck to you that's bad, well, that's just how it's going to be for you. Mm. Yeah, that is not the gospel, and the message of redemption, which mm. we get through Jesus, is that isn't this what Philippians four thirteen says? All things are possible mm. for us. Mm. We, well, I just, I, you know, I've never really been a godly kind of a person. Stop doing that with your fingers, making those air quotes, godly. No, mm. you can be godly. You mm. can be real in, in a real way. You can live righteously. You can live holy. Actually, Jesus commands you to do it in Matthew 5, 48. Commands you to do it. You can do it. Mm. He, he wants to transform us. That's the story. That's the story is that he transforms us. Hallelujah. Yeah. So... Um, here, okay, we, we could say, well, you changed, and now you're leading people. But, but Jeff, there's another big step yet to come. What, the, what am I going to do? In the Jeff Davenport story, oh. this is Act 3. <laughs> What's going to happen in Jeff's life is that he got on top of this, uh, of this, I don't know, character, I don't know what you'd call a flaw, a character challenge for him of communication. Well, now he's an expert at communication. Now he's training people to do it. <sighs> 
And then there's one more hurdle, mm-hmm. some, something that you never, again, never set out to do as an ambition, but you're starting to feel, I think I'm going to have to start a drum roll. This is a big deal. Family business. Boom. I'm going to have to start a small business of my own to be the owner of my own business. What, what are the implications of that for you, Jeff? I think there's people who are listening to your podcast who are entrepreneurs by nature. This they were born, they came out of the womb going, I, I, I'm gonna start a business. I, I know it's <laughs> I can happen. do it. I Let's can do go. this. Mom, I, there's a better way to do this whole feeding system. I, I, I think we can uh, sell this. That wasn't me. Um, and I think a lot of this ties into personality. Uh, I don't. I don't know if I would call it challenge or flaw. I don't know. Maybe it's irrelevant what you'd call it. But that has never been me. I have always. I came from a very, very stable, uh, conservative family, and my father worked for basically the same company for uh, like thirty-five, almost forty years. Steady Eddie. So and, risk wasn't the name of the game. Oh gosh, no, no, no risk. And, and it played out well, you know, yeah. it played out well. And I looked at my, my career with Duarte and I, I, I looked at my career with Duarte and was grateful. And I thought this is a, I have told Nancy since I've left, I have said, uh, the paychecks never bounced and we never missed a house payment. We, uh, we have a car, we have cars. You were faithful to always make sure that we were, and, and that's Nancy. And I could go on and on about every wonderful thing about both Nancy and her husband, Mark, who run Duarte. It was safe. And I probably could have kept working there for 10, 20 years. I don't know. And continue to do good things and all that. But there was, at some point, I started to feel God's uh, hand on me. And some of this came through people, other other people. Some of it came through uh, friends and family. And then some of it came through my wife, who was very, very, very faith uh, forward. Is that a phrase? Faith forward. Yeah, faith sure. forward. And that's, she, a, that's your new book. My new book, Faith Forward. Yeah. Finding the faith to forwardize your family. <laughs> yeah. Fellows. And your fellow man. And your fellow friends. <laughs> and I, it was like God had told everybody and told me last. <laughs> uh, and people go, you know, you could do this kind of thing you're doing with Duarte on your own. Mm-hmm. Well, like, you know, I don't know about... <laughs> <laughs> Not me. Not me. Maybe somebody else. And... But it just, and, I, and I'll abbreviate this, but it just, I just kept feeling like more and more that that was what I was meant to do. And I've been telling people, you know, sometimes you go through a season and, and you, you only look back later and go, I think this is what God has been saying. And maybe it wasn't this clear at the time, but I think what God was communicating to me in the run up to leaving Duarte was he was, he was looking at me and going, Jeff, you can stay if you want, but the things I could do with your character, I can't do if you stay. Um, the, mm-hmm. and, and he was looking at me, well, I get all goony about this, but uh, he, I, think he, I think he's looking at me and saying, you have a, uh, you got a lot of fear, pal, and you have natural bend towards fear. And I, I don't know that I would say that <laughs> my Lord and creator would look at me and go, now there's a courageous man. And you know, it's one of the things it says in the Bible, like 
cowards are not going to. <laughs> it does. Not, we always think, well, it's the child pornographers. Yeah. Will, well, and the cowards. What? Yeah, I'm not right. sure that's in my the Bible. The cat says the cowards will be cast into the lake of fire in Revelation. <laughs> Which is just what they feared all along. <laughs> And, uh-huh. uh, and not to put too heavy a thing on it, but I, I just, I felt like God was kind of saying, I can grow you in ways you, just like your children. Like I, I, God was saying, I can grow you in ways that I can't if you just play it safe. Uh-huh. And so, um, what's it been now? Uh, I think uh, at the at the beginning of this month, uh, I turned in my notice. Which is basically in the old cliche, jumping out of the airplane yeah. and building your parachute on the way yeah. out. And it was thanks to people like Stephen and your wife, who have been very, very uh, complimentary and encouraging. And uh, Mark as well. Mark has been a, a, a good. Uh, I'm really mentioning these people because if it all goes to pot, I have someone to blame. Yeah, that um, makes sense. And a number of other people have been very, very encouraging. No, 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 you can do this. This is going to be possible. And so, uh, yeah. So you, as you said, you jumped about three weeks ago. Um, and you told me some, I think you called like a week after and you said, okay, I'm filing for my, my small business license to get licensed in the state. And then you went to the bank and opened up a bank account. Like, well, I guess this is where I'm going to accept my money. I hope people will put money into it. Once again, me doing the impression of a small yeah, business which owner. Which is fine. <laughs> you, you have to go through those steps. And the first time they feel really strange. Yeah. It feels like... You feel like a poser because yes, it's your first time. That's exactly oh, yeah. right. Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm here at the bank to open up my business. And like, they, you think that the banker's going to lean over and go, you don't have a business. I know. <laughs> she, I know. I kept thinking that very thing. I thought she's going to go, come on, what do you have, a lemonade stand? Right. Or I was going to say, I'm going to be a speaker coach, and she's going to go, you? No one can do that. I kept thinking that she was going to say, like, like, like go to screensaver on her computer and turn towards me and go, honey, I listen to people with their businesses every day. That's not a business. business. Okay. So after you started doing some of those steps, like setting up your office to make sure that it, it'll work for everything, et cetera, et cetera. You talked to me that, that week and you said, your quote was, I'm starting to feel something (laughs) that feels foreign to me. Do you remember that? Yeah. I, I had, I, I said, I said, and I may be wrong here, but I, I'm, I'm having a very, very foreign feeling and I'm not sure, but I think, I think this is what confidence feels like. It was so unusual to me in that, in that, uh, sector of things. And to be honest, I felt guilty about it. Something in me felt mm, like, gosh, boy, the, the surest sign of, of being a fool. I mean, you, re, you read scriptures and there's a lot of do not be the fool. <laughs> yes. A fool, a level one fool is, oh, I don't know what to do. Oh, no, do whatever, a warm beer. Level two fe- fool is, I got this. True. And they're a moron. Yeah. And my biggest fear was being a level two. Yes. Steve Carell. Yeah. I got this. Yeah. yeah. Back up everybody. Hold my beer. Watch me start a business. And I kept thinking I, I am, my worst fear was that I was a level two 
fool and that people around me would would just look at me sideways and go what what are you doing but in spite of that i started feeling like oh my gosh i think i think this could actually happen and let me put some words in your please. mouth and you you respond to them um i i i've known you a long time we're very good friends I'm projecting onto what you might be feeling. Okay. Stephen has a good way of articulating my emotions when I'm like, I don't know what I feel. How do I feel, Stephen? <laughs> Hungry. Get yourself here's, something to eat. Here's your problem. Um, you, when you were working for a company that did something that you were good at, even though, and, and my, my wife did this in, in her world, even though you're feeding them tons of content and they're rightfully making money off of your content and you're thinking to yourself, I could write, I could write stuff for myself and, and do this myself. And, and they're finding you clients and you're working with CEOs and you're really helping them. And you're thinking, I could probably, I could probably do this on my own, but there is a safety involved. Well, they will handle the health insurance. Mm. There's a safety of, well, they do payroll. I don't have to do that. There's just a check that comes. Mm. Not, this is no knock on them at all. That's how business works. But we, we, if we just looked at the numbers, we could see that you made them a whole lot more money than they paid you. Yeah, that's, that's how business, business works. Mm-hmm. But you, but not having to walk through the mechanics of, well, I would invoice somebody. Hmm. Is that what you do? You invoice hmm. them. And then how, do you think I could really charge that much? You know, you go through all of these things that feel like, well, that would be a bridge too far. No, it's not. It's just running a business and hmm. it's not a bridge too far. You and I were just talking about some pricing before we started recording. And hmm. it feels like, well, could I charge $200 for this? You think I could charge $500 for this? That's crazy. No, it's hmm. not crazy. Look at the value you that you bring, et cetera. So when you are running your own business, there is, and I think that this, I'm, I'm going to guess that this is where that sort of confident thing comes from. You're stepping into a leadership of your family, the likes of which you've never tasted before, which is the income and provision for our family, whether it's stable at 40,000 a year or explodes to 140,000 a year. That's, that's on this guy. Mm -hmm. That's me. So we, you know, it's great to be able to thank your employer. Thank you for being so loyal. We appreciate the work. But to be able to say, no, I, I'm at a place where I think I can take this on. And you're really at the perfect age where you have built up expertise. Hmm. And now you have something to offer the world. Well, now I can hang my own shingle. A lot of 20-year-olds want to do that because they have an idea. Hmm. But you actually have expertise to offer the world and tons of experience in this world. So you're taking this step now, which you never would have imagined. But as you say, it's clear that there's an urging from God. This is the next step. So step up, son. Hmm. Because I'm trying to make... We were talking about this verse earlier this week. Because I'm trying to create glorifying sons that will make all of creation take mm. their shoes off and go, those guys are living the kingdom of God by the way that they're ruling their own lives, their homes, and the people that come underneath their leadership. Mm. 
So I think that's super exciting that you're walking through that door. I like the fact that it's not completely laid out for you. Well, I've got my next six months <laughs> laid out. I just hope I can get, no, you know, you need, you need the next quarter's worth of work to come in. So along those lines, let's talk about your offerings just real quick and then we'll shut, we'll shut down. Real quick, I, I, the way I picture being an entrepreneur is Stephen and I are both fans of the uh, original, I don't know if there's any more, but X-Men movies. And when Magneto, I remember there's some scene where Magneto is walking, he, 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 there's nothing in front of him. It's just a chasm, but he's funk dropping a iron plate in front of yeah. each st- somehow they're just emerging yeah they're just shunk, sucking shunk. into place as he's walking like that's the perfect entrepreneur yeah funk here's the next client funk here's the 1099 yeah. funk yeah and mine's more i oh, hold it there and then and then wobble <laughs> over to the next one it's it's like a run through for the scene yeah right but by gum, you get across. Then you learn how to hire, and then you have a company vision, and That's then right. you learn how to franchise, and then you have a new healthcare plan, and all these things come. But you don't. That not, none of that has to happen at the beginning. No, it, it comes. And and I, I need to underline something you said because I thought, gosh, I wish I, I could have listened to this podcast uh, myself at some point. And because of what you said. I even winced when you said it, but you said you're at the right age because often I think I'm too old. Uh, it's it's passed by. Like, and I think that about a lot of elements of my life. But I think I'm too old. Um, but if you're out there and you're like, ah, I don't know, I think that I think the train passed me by. It's too late. Maybe not. Maybe maybe you have. Yeah. Uh, maybe that time that you've gone. Oh. Is, was actually God's time to build up yes. uh, those skills. So I yes. thank you for saying that. That's and I'll good. just say, if I mean, I, I, this is tough because I don't want everybody to think that in order to follow God, you got to run your own business. Yeah, that's right. However, I do think that where we're going, where the kingdom of God is going, we need men. If, if the Lord is developing men to be sons of glory, who are, who are rulers, who are leaders, we need more men who feel the confidence to step out in faith on their own and lead things. I don't care if it's a lawn mowing business in your neighborhood. The, the ability to step out, to, to arrange, to organize, to price, to negotiate, we just need men who can do those things. So you don't have to, I'm not saying you got to start a business. I'm saying if God has put something in your heart, I would love to be the one who kicks you out of the seat and says, go do it. We actually need you. Please do this thing. So I admired guys who started business. My brother-in-law has a very successful business and he's just, gosh, what a, and a great man. And I, and you, Stephen and and Mark and and many others. And I would admire y'all admire them. And, and it's like God looked at me and goes, pretty cool, huh? Oh, man, yeah, pretty, <laughs> pretty cool. cool. Those guys are pretty – you could be one of those. Yeah. And it's it's the old – you point at yourself and look behind you. Yeah. I'm sorry, who? Yeah. You could be one of those. Yeah. Well, God, I'm – and I've done this many times in my life where I lecture God and go, God, let me just clarify some things for you. <laughs> you haven't thought through. She's not going to marry me. She is way – no, this is not going – no, God, let uh-huh. me tell. I'm not going to be a great dad. You're got, you've got some – let me correct your vision here, Lord. And um, so here we are. Yeah. 
So let's get to your offerings. Yeah. So you you uh, you now why don't you just do this in your mind? Tell us about the website that your that your business lives at, and then in your mind walk us through the chunks of stuff that's on your website. Yeah, the company is called Lighthouse Point Communications. Lighthouse Point Communications, and the website is thelighthousepoint.com. Lighthouses mean something. That is a perfect. Uh, it's a perfect place for the Lighthouse Point at lighthousepoint.com. At thelighthousepoint.com. Really smart. Thanks. Smart. But lighthouses mean something to my wife and I. They, they have served as a couple of very strong inflection points on our lives uh, it, when it came to faith. And I go off on a whole story here, but I won't. Um, but anyway, I picture a good communicator like a lighthouse. They direct ships to keep them from danger and to actually help them get where they're supposed to go. Very good. So the offerings are largely twofold. One is coaching. You can sign up and I can coach you through how to get your content organized for a presentation, a speech, even a team meeting that you have. I can help you organize that content so it pops, it has flow, it uses storytelling techniques, good opening, good closing, and also coaching around delivery. So you got a big presentation coming up. Your team has a big presentation coming up. I can coach you so you deliver well with confidence, with clarity, and hopefully with some amount of charisma. And then we're also offer workshops where you got a group of, I love working with learning and development people at organizations. You go, we got 10 people in our sales team. They need to write better sales presentations. Or we got 12 people at our, our marketing crew and they just need to know how to communicate more confidently in front of a group of people. More persuasively. More per, well, it's all about persuasion. Yeah. And everything comes back to persuasion because that's what a lighthouse has to do. It has to persuade that ship to not go this way and to go this way. And so these workshops are group environments where we walk people through content as well as uh, doing the delivery coaching. And then we're going to have some canned courses that you can purchase. And uh, you watch videos of me walking you through content and you get better at uh, organizing your content. That's great. More courses to come as as time advances. (laughs) That's great. So I'll just throw this out as somebody who is intimately familiar with Jeff's content. Um, if you want to get better, this is turning into Family Business Corner. So I should probably insert the music here for Family Business Corner. But if you want to be a more effective and persuasive communicator, whether you're communicating to a group of five or 5,000, Jeff, that's his deal, is helping you get there. And he's really good at watching you. And if he if he could watch you for 30 minutes, do your thing, he could go, okay, you're really good at this other thing, so I'm not going to waste time on that. Here's where you need help here and here. And he's, he can identify those things and help you get better at them. If you didn't know this already, being a great communicator um, makes your business explode. And yes, I, and yes. I, and I do mean... If you're mowing lawns Mm -hmm. in your neighborhood, if you can be an effective communicator, you'll have more business, you can charge more for that business, and you can have leadership in your business because you'll have vision to go along with it. I can imagine a landscaping. Actually, I I do have friends who have great mature landscaping businesses, and they have vision that's connected to them. They have God's word behind their landscaping. When they talk to people, they shoot vision at them. They're persuasive. Hey, we're experts. They know how to display their 
credibility. You think, God, you know so much more about grass than I do. You should be taking care of my grass. And he goes, you're right, I should. Um, it just makes everything go better. So we, we also mentioned, Jeff, we mentioned your book, which you're, you wrote a book that describes some of the things that we're talking about here about your life and the things that you'd learn. Where, where would people find that? On Amazon. It's called I Am a Field by Jeff Davenport. It's about seeing your life as a place where God can grow great things. You see your life as a field and God as an intentional and strategic farmer. Uh, going back to your lawnmower I guy. I am a field. I am a field. Jeff Davenport. Uh, you, going back to your lawnmower guy, a lot of people go, communication, I'm not giving a TED talk. Right. Like TED talks have ruined communication. Everybody's <laughs> like, well, I don't need training because I'm not giving a to big a million TED. people. I just talk to two or three people. <laughs> That's right. That's communication. And God, I don't think God is going, gosh, what I would love is if my sons were mousier, <laughs> less confident, more boring speakers. That would just really have an impact <laughs> for business and for the kingdom and their families. I just want everybody to be confused about what's... No, he wants clear communicators. He wants people who can communicate confidently, not arrogantly. And he wants people who are winsome, who can hold a room, who can walk into a situation and know how to communicate well. Whether it's about, uh, you got to plant this magnolia tree by January, or, hey kids, this is what the Bible says about these things, and this is how we can become the people God wants us to be. Everyone needs to communicate better. We all need to be... I need to communicate better. Yeah, that's right. Well, we're, uh, we're we're closing in on like an hour, ten minutes of of chat. It's, Goink. Be- it's because of the stories, Jeff. The stories are fascinating. Oh, that time when we were on that game show. I think oh, we need to tell that story one more it, time. Let's, let's do it again. So we were like, wait, no, wait, Jeff. I, I think we're we're good on the game show. Let, let's move on from there. But uh, thank you for your time. Is there anything else that we? didn't say about you making this transition into into leading a business that you wanted to say? I still get nervous stomach. I still get... That's a good thing to tell people. 2 a.m., wake up and go... I, I mean, I, it happened last week, and I, I was like, oh, my gosh. Well, you got... Let me give this... I'm sorry to interrupt yeah. you, but you guys just found out that you're... Cobra payments are going to be way more than you thought. Way more. Okay, this is what running a business is like. And did it ever cross your mind when you found out that the Cobra payments are going to be way more? I've made a huge mistake. Oh, yes. They're, they're often, I am Job, and <laughs> I've made a huge mistake. 2 a.m., I'm laying in bed, and I'm just thinking, I can't do this. What am I? And thankfully, I have my faith-filled wife, and I literally rolled over and woke her up and Aww. said, hey, babe. Uh, and she's like, you're not doing good. Yeah. She goes, well, let's pray. Aww. And she prays for me right there. And I, Mark, I was talking with Mark about the business stuff and going, I'm having a bad Wednesday because these two people didn't email me back, and I think they were going to be really good clients. And Mark, I, it, he rolls his eyes so hard. It sounds like, it sounds like dice at Vegas. And he goes, and he looked at Steve and goes, this guy's not going to hold up well, or he's going to learn it real quick, real quick, that you can't, you can't be the canary in a coal mine. You can't, I remember when I lived, when I lived in Los Angeles, I lived through a little earthquake one day. Oh, oh what yeah. the heck? It didn't matter if a truck drove by after that. What, what's, what's, oh, I think this is a, get ready. There's Somebody find me a doorway. Let's get a doorway. And <laughs> I, and I think Mark and Steven are probably looking at me going, he'll learn. He'll learn. You, you, you can't live at that high level of yeah. anxiety. The, no, and the he, Lord doesn't want me there. Yeah, what he said was, you're worried about these two guys not responding to emails. You know, 
two years from now, somebody will have guaranteed you a $50,000 contract for the month that you never hear from them again on it. And you'll just shrug your shoulders and go to the next one and go, it's all right. We're going to make it. The Lord's going to see us through. It's that, is that resiliency that I think the Lord is really building up in me. Yeah. Well, Jeff, I bless you as your friend, just bless you and light the lighthouse point. And you're, you know, God doesn't promise us that, oh, it'll be a big success. You'll make tons of money. What? He's, <laughs> that's not his goal for you is you're making tons of money. As, as we see in passages like Luke 16, the point of money isn't money. It's to develop character in you because he wants to entrust you with something that has little value so that you can get good at it and he can entrust you with things that have greater value. So, Jeff, I, I bless you to be learning these character things that you're talking about and going like, I'm, you know, we're, we're all growing up, right? We're, we're all growing up into the image of Christ. He was a mature, he was the most mature guy that's ever lived and we're still growing into his image. So we've got to learn and it's going to be scary and painful and he's still shaping us. And you know what? We can do it because he's with us. He, he, we can do anything. So thank you for uh, telling people your story and showing them that, you know, you can go from shy guy to a business owner. And if this doesn't work out, I got to, uh, I'll do a, a scratch and dent appliance warehouse. <laughs> That's right. No problem. And, and if money ever gets super, super tight, we go, we, we always have the game show thing. To fall oh, back on. We'll sell that curio cabinet. The curio cabinet. I'm still waiting for it. Okay. Thanks, Jeff. We'll see you around. Thanks. Bye.